This is Smart Women, Smart Power, a podcast that features conversations with some of the world's most powerful women. The common thread that could really lift up the poverty were the women. And if women and girls are empowered and economically empowered, it would have a ripple effect across all of those initiatives. We feature women who are breaking barriers and shaping the future of foreign policy, national security, international business, and development. I'm Beverly Kirk, the director of the Smart Women, Smart Power Initiative at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington. The gender multiplier effect describes what can happen in a community or in the economy when a factor that may seem irrelevant is changed and leads to significant new opportunities for women. I spoke with Andrea Connor about the gender multiplier effect and how it works to improve the lives of women globally. She is CEO of Stevenson Connor Global Strategies and the immediate past president of Athena International. Andrea Connor, thank you so much for being here on the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. Welcome. Well, good morning, Beverly. I'm thrilled to be here with you. First of all, what is the gender multiplier effect? So the gender multiplier effect is that quantifiable ripple created when women and girls find their voices and become economically empowered. This you know, results in healthier families, stronger communities, and ultimately accelerates the growth of the local, national, and global GDP. So how did it work and how did you become interested in it? Well, first off, I had some amazing role models in my life. My my mom being one as a fierce advocate for women leaders and women business owners. I think it started, actually for me, it started in fourth grade. I recognized that the boys were being asked to be the line leader in class, the team captains in PE, and then the girls were being asked to clean the erasers and the paintbrushes. And that was kind of like an aha moment, like, that's not cool. <laughs> I think that the the girls are capable of so much more. So it even started then where I would push from behind and say, you know, you should, Mary, you should raise your hand to be the line leader or the team captain and kind of evolved in opportunities that I had around the world to lift up and empower women leaders, uh, particularly learned about the terminology, the gender multiplier effect when I was getting my master's in global leadership and working with UN women in Beijing. I finally understood what I was doing, the value of that, and was able to kind of take action and put the, the theory behind what was involved. And That has kind of spurred me ever since. You mentioned working for UN Women in Beijing. You've actually worked on three continents across four countries. So you have an incredible background in this area. In fact, one example that you talk about of the gender multiplier effect happened when you were working with some university women in rural China, right? Correct. So this was course move number, let me think, six of 13 years in I was looking at where to kind of plant myself and started working with a program um, at a university in rural China in Henan province called the World Academy for the Future of Women. 
And the senior student, her name was Connie Hahn, had gone through this leadership development program and was at that point where she was going to have to make a shift in from being a university student to a career professional. And there's a lot of pressure on the students um, culturally that they support their families. And Connie was feeling a lot of pressure on what she was going to do. And so she thought moving to Shanghai might be the great opportunity for her to be economically empowered, but had never been outside her rural province. And so I invited Connie to come to, to Shanghai. So we flew her to Shanghai, gave her experiences like she got to learn how to navigate the metro system and took her out to a variety of international restaurants to get her comfortable with the various cuisines. And, you know, even uh, eating with a knife and fork, she tried, she taught me how to work with chopsticks. And I, fortunately, she did way better with the knife and fork than I did with the chopsticks. And that kind of started a ripple. Connie ended up choosing a career uh, where she could do international sales. And she now leads a company where she's uh, working with India and Africa but she was the impetus to start giving other women from this program an opportunity. So over that three years that we lived in Shanghai, my husband is a saint. We hosted close to 40 students from that program in our Shanghai apartment while they did job shadow experiences and fellowships and internships and got to experience a whole variety of things. The great part of that is they stepped forward and um, we left China in 2015, but they helped me create a sustainable program that has continued on past me. Seven of the students that lived with us now have an apartment in Shanghai and they are the host point for these women to come from rural China to be able to experience something outside their comfort zone and test new things out. And we're seeing these young women now, seven years out, they're middle managers, they're economically empowered, they're a part of the middle class, they're traveling around around the world. It's really rewarding to see. And I had a mathematician kind of calculate out for me if each one of these women that have now gone through the program and as it continues on over 15 years, 465,000 lives will be impacted from that one opportunity with Connie. So I think each one of us can be a gender multiplier. In essence, what the multiplier effect is, you help one person and then it just blossoms into many thousands more people being being helped. So talk about the impact that this has or can have on the economy. You mentioned how these young women are now middle managers and having successful careers, which I would assume allows them to help their families back in rural China. Absolutely. And, and it does. So, it, you know, if you look, women in most economies are the decision makers for consumer spending. So if they're economically empowered and they have resources to be able to take into the economy, it has that ripple effect across our economies. But the other side of it is the positive impact it has when women and girls are educated. They not only lift up 
themselves, but they lift up those around their sphere of influence. If they're a female entrepreneur, they are hiring more people uh, to work in their business. If it's countries that where there are warring nations, they can have a positive impact on creating resolutions to poverty and to warring nations. And my, my favorite example of this is Lema Gabawi and Ellen Sirleaf Johnson in, in Liberia. It all started, the real impetus of change was when Lema Gabawi's son just wanted a piece of bread. And, you know, women, we are a caregiver for so many that if you create that impetus and give us something to be passionate about, we not only lift up our children, but we lift up other children and people and businesses and opportunities around us. So it really creates a ripple across economies and society when women can be a voice within that decision-making. And you also have looked at how ending the gender pay gap can have a gender multiplier effect. Can you talk about that? Sure, absolutely. There actually is a fabulous article out this morning in Fortune magazine that is talking about Citibank and how Citibank is now tracking the pay gap between their colleagues across their countries. And as they've started to track it, they're closing that pay gap. You know, there's statistics that tell us that a woman will have to work an additional 15 years in order to retire at the same rate that, that a man does. That closing that gap, again, lifts up that economic opportunity that spending power that ripples across our small businesses, our corporations, and you know provides opportunities for education for their children along the way. What about the representation of women in the workplace and in education? How does the gender multiplier effect work there? So certainly in the form of education, I want to reflect back to China as a great example. In the early 70s and 80s, the literacy rate for females was around 50%. When Chairman Mao made his proclamation that women hold up half the sky, you started to see a shift in the workforce, but also in literacy rate. Currently, the literacy rate for women and females in, in China from the age of 15 plus is 96%. You're now seeing women in China are the most highly educated around the world. They're, they have advanced degrees from the top universities around the globe, and they're working in a number of senior leadership roles in multinational companies and actually in entrepreneurial spaces. You're actually seeing women coming out within the Chinese economy that are starting their own business ventures. That education has given them the knowledge base and the confidence to step up, to be innovative and collaborative. And, you know, they're pulling along the rest of their community and their economy with them. This could have, by this, I mean, the gender multiplier effect could have a pretty significant impact on ending global poverty, if the things that I'm hearing from you are correct. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons that in 2010, 
the United Nations made a decision to form UN Women. As they set out Millennial Development Goals and Sustainable Development Goals for the global economy to work on, and they weren't quite meeting those goals, they realized that the common thread that could really lift up the poverty, the numbers, the goals they were trying to reach on HIV, AIDS, climate change, you know, even around war and other issues, that the common thread there were the women. And if women and girls are empowered and economically empowered, it would have a ripple effect across all of those initiatives. That was one of the projects that I worked on while I was at UN Women in Beijing was looking at the gender impact of climate change and equal empowerment opportunities and corporate social responsibility. We know by significant research that women and girls can have a positive effect on all of those things if they're economically empowered. And they're a part of the decision-making tables in the highest levels of organizations. It seems like the gender multiplier effect is an enhanced form of mentoring and sponsoring. And I read where it not only involves the traditional senior to junior mentoring, but there's also junior to senior mentoring, or maybe just women mentoring each other, regardless of where they are in terms of their professional careers. Is that the case? And is there a focus on any specific industries or is it just across workplaces in all different industries and sectors? There absolutely is an element of mentorship and sponsorship to the gender multiplier effect, but I think it's it's much more when you think about from the organizational level, when companies like Citibank come out and say that they are going to really track that pay gap or organizations like the NFL are going to have diverse candidates as a part of their interviewing process those are gender multiplier effects too. You're setting a role model or an example of this is what we want to see. Certainly that mentoring and sponsorship piece is is a key element. Um, I'm a firm believer in women supporting women and lifting each other up, but I also think it's very important for men to be allies and to understand the innovation benefits that come from that diverse decision-making at the table, at all levels of the organization, from the mailroom up to the boardroom. And if I can follow up, you mentioned the role for men. While we have spoken mostly about how the gender multiplier effect relates to women, what I hear you saying is that there is a definite role for men. And what would you like to say to men who hear this podcast and want to know what they can do? Absolutely. Well, first of all, women are 51% of the population. So that's a little more than half of your workforce. If you're losing half of your participants in the economy and the decision-making and the buying side of things, and you're, you're missing an opportunity, men you know, can look at it from the business case, right? The business case of having that diversity of thought at the table, and the gifts, actually, that women's leadership brings. Uh, women are collaborators. They're relationship builders. We have an element of empathy that comes from the many hats that we wear as mothers, caregivers, 
um, in employees. And so we see the world from a, a different lens. If anything, it's, you know, take it down to the business case and why men will want to be allies. But I also think that, you know, as fathers and husbands, they understand the value that their partners bring within their household and the key decisions and the lens that they bring to that conversation. So I think if they look at those benefits, and then there's a great model in Australia called the Male Champions for Change and the benefits of diversity on the board, metrics that we can put in place. So looking to our friends down under and seeing what they've discovered and unearthed through that Male Champions of Change initiative is a great way to understand the value of what women bring into business. You're the former president of Athena International. And for those who may not be familiar with it, can you talk about its work and how it fits with what you're doing to amplify the gender multiplier effect? Sure. It was a a great privilege to lead that organization for four years. To start out, my mother is an Athena Award recipient. So I was brainwashed with the principles of leadership from, from an early age. Basically, Athena's mission is to develop, support, and honor women leaders from the classroom to the boardroom. Back in the early 80s, the organization recognized that the women's way of leadership was not being noticed, that women were not being recognized for the roles that they were playing in society. So they started with the honor piece and honoring women leaders for their impact that they were having. The Athena Award has been presented in over 500 communities, 48 states, and 13 countries. Over 8,000 women and a few good men have been recognized for their leadership. But in the process of honoring all these phenomenal women and men, people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg is an Athena Award recipient, astronaut Christina Cook, Gabby Giffords, out of Arizona, uh, Billie Jean King are some phenomenal examples of trailblazers and women that have really has had a positive impact. In the process of that, we began some research on what was the common thread. And what came out of that were these eight principles of enlightened leadership, kind of the, the traits that women bring to leadership. It's not just traits that women have, men can also have these eight principles of leadership, like living authentically, learning constantly, advocating fiercely, you know, building relationships, but it is an enhancement to the quality of leadership that helps people feel empowered and engaged in the work that they're doing. It's been a phenomenal experience being involved with Athena. You're also working to support women in tech through what's called the WIT, W-I-T network. How is it empowering women in tech and how do you see women transforming tech? That's a great question. So this kind of goes back to my UN women experience where I was absorbing all of this great information about the global impact of women. It was my introduction to the fourth industrial revolution And as I started to look at that information, all the research was telling us that the progress that women made was going to go backwards if they're because of artificial intelligence and, you know, the things that come with technologies, the jobs that women 
traditionally were holding around the world were eventually going to be eliminated through technology. You know, the numbers were declining. Currently, one in four tech jobs are held by women, so the representation is pretty pretty low. 21% are executives. In 1984, only 37% of computer science degrees were awarded to women. In 2017, that number dropped to 18, so there was this leaky pipeline. Um, so I, in my role with Athena International, I had the opportunity to meet the founders of the WIT Network, Christine Bongard and Kareem Sharp, and we wanted to fix that problem. So we're working on the pipeline. How do you keep women in that pipeline and ensure that their voices are heard? So collaboration using the Athena leadership principles and creating that community where women in technology can thrive. And we're seeing some phenomenal impacts. Uh, so far, 100 women have gone through the, the program and growing. And it's an example of how the gender multiplier effect can work in the tech industry, I would, I would assume, right? It absolutely is. It's, you know, again, fostering collaboration and building those relationships that help women find their voice and their, their confidence in a male-dominated industry. And, and stepping up to show the value that they bring. We are, we're seeing it more and more and more in, in the tech industry where women's voices and the insight that they bring is, is rising. And the, and the tech industry has taken notice. They're, they're very committed to, to changing the numbers and the dynamics. As we wrap up here, one final question. I, I'm just struck by the, the definition of the gender multiplier effect, particularly where it says you change a factor that may seem irrelevant or insignificant, but it can lead to something much greater. How do we pay more attention to those things that might be considered irrelevant and, and really you know, focus in and, and see the opportunity when it presents itself, even if we might think, oh, that's not important, but perhaps it is important. If you look at the relationships, it kind of comes down to humanity and making women feel noticed and, and everyone feel noticed. And you never know what small thing like having a cup of coffee with an emerging woman leader that is curious about your, your career or just taking the time. If you've had a conversation with somebody about a particular topic, taking, and you run across an article, taking the opportunity to share that, that article. You never know where that spark is going to lie. I never envisioned that having that conversation with Connie and inviting her to come to Shanghai would lead into all of these, you know, the 40 plus women now that have gone through that third year program of the World Academy for the Future of Women would create that ripple. And they, they themselves are paying it forward. Um, and they reach out and one of the students said, I remember when you taught me how to eat an oyster and how that gave me the confidence to try different things. You just never know the impact that something small, like teach, showing somebody how to eat a, an oyster will amplify and ripple and give them the confidence to take that next step. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Andrea Connor, thank you so much. I really appreciate your sharing your wealth of knowledge and your fierce advocacy of the gender multiplier effect here on the Smart Women, Smart Power podcast. 
Thank you, Beverly. Really appreciate the opportunity to, to be here. Subscribe to the Smart Women Smart Power podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to good content. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smart Women, and I'm at Beverly Kirk. Thanks for listening. See you next time.